praise. Hallelujah. Bless that wonderful name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 Quite showed out a little bit today. Amen. Let's give him a hand again, Sister Tammy. Amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. Right now we get ready for the word. Amen. We thank the Lord this morning. Uh, this uh, individual here is special in my life. Um, he's special here at this church simply because the legacy that have been handed down for generation. And uh, I just thank God for him. Amen. Uh, I'm speaking of, I don't use law anymore as my son. Amen. <laughs> I remember the Bishop Thad told me now, he said he was on his dying bed. He's all right now. It's okay, preacher. You keep him in line. <laughs> Amen. So I thank God for that. Uh, Elder Watkins has been just marvelous. Uh, he got he wear a lot of hats, amen. Even this morning, you know, he was preparing for his you know, message, but yet he was called to do his doctor's duty, amen. So we thank the Lord for him. We are truly blessed, amen. Anything to be done here in the church, I mean, he get the hammer and tools and you name it, amen. So we, we are blessed for him, amen. I would like to get you to stand, amen. And this wonderful man, we gonna ask the Lord to bless him, bless this message as I bring on right now, Elder Julian Watkins, amen. Amen. Amen, church. Amen. Good to be here. Praise the Lord. Y'all got short-term memory loss. I said, I said, praise the Lord. All right, all right. I just wanted to see was y'all paying attention today or not. Y'all know what you're supposed to say. <laughs> We've been through this once already, three times already. So today I am going to be forced to do something that I am not accustomed to doing, and that is to be abbreviated in my message. I'm going to try to do this message justice, but I do want to be conscious of the time. I usually try to be conscious of the time, but sometimes I'm unconscious of the time. One of uh, the elders last night, uh, Elder Keene, he said he was going to do something tonight. He said he was going to call an emergency meeting at 6 p.m. at the church and see how many of the brothers showed up. So I am aware of what's supposed to be happening tonight. And I know you may have some preparations prior to that. He said he was not going to put them to the test, nor was he gonna put the Lord to the test. So he's not going to do that. So today we're gonna to see if we can get into this message here. I wanna start with a word of prayer and then have you be seated. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, for this yet another day. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you, Lord God, for giving us this opportunity, each and every one of us, to be in the land of the living. I believe everybody here is alive, Lord, and that is by your grace and by your mercy, Lord God, that you have saw fit to give us another day, which is not just another day, but another honor opportunity. 
another opportunity to bring glory and honor to you and the things that we do say and think, Lord God. We ask right now in the name of Jesus that you bless your word as it goes forth, that it would accomplish that which you have purposed and not return void, Lord. In the name of Jesus, go before us now. Touch the hearts of these, your people, Lord God, that they might not just be mere hearers of your word only, but doers also, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we ask, Lord, we pray, Lord, and we thank you. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. In this world that we live in nowadays, it's uh, becoming increasingly necessary for people to have to take a stand. Take a stand on principle. Take a stand on what they believe. Take a stand on what they have been taught. Take a stand for this and to take a stand for that. And some people shrink back when the amount of pressure is just right to cause them to shrink back, to shut up, to sit on the sideline, to go back to their corner. Others will stand firm, and it may come at great loss to them. Some people are insulated from social pressures and economic pressures. Some people have to take a stand and they might lose their job. They may have to take a stand and lose their friends. They may have to take a stand and lose members in their family. Isn't that sad? Just from taking a stand. Today we're going to be talking about standing strong, not in yourself, standing strong in the Lord. Standing strong in the strength of the Lord. It is not our strength, but it is his strength that we must stand. We have enemies in the world that we have identified as such, but we don't want to lose fact or sight of the fact that our primary enemy is Satan. Satan would like for us to believe that the people around us are the main people that, that we have to be concerned about, the main uh, enemies that we have but many of them are being wittingly and unwittingly used by Satan. So we need to get skillful in trying to identify what is behind the scenes and who is it that is controlling the strings. The scripture tells us that we need to be alert. We need to be awake. We need to be aware of our surroundings because it is necessary for us to do this so we know when the enemy is attacking and where he is. We need to be armed for battle because we are at war whether you know it or not. Do you know that we are at war? This is not peace times. We are at war right now and have been at war. The minute you said, yes, Lord, you were enlisted in the army of the Lord. And the world and the flesh and the devil was coming after you. It was open season on you, and all of them were coming after you. We have to understand that we are at war, and whether you know it or not, if you don't, God help you. Hopefully before today, you'll know it. And hopefully, more important, you know which side you're on, because in a war, there's two sides, right? At least two sides. There's God's side, and then there's the other side, whatever that might be. And when I, meet, when I make reference to two sides, I'm talking about from a spiritual standpoint. There is no in-between. There is no room for people sitting on the fence. You must decide which side of the fence you are going to be on and which camp you're going to be in. Which army are you enlisted in and who is your captain? Who is the captain of your soul? Who is the one who is in charge of 
deploying the troops? And which orders will you be following? The enemy is wicked, he's powerful, he's cunning, and he is deceitful. Did you hear that? He's wicked, he's powerful, he's cunning, and he is deceitful. He is a liar and the father of lies, according to John 8, 44. He is Satan, the devil, the evil one, and he has children and minions in a town near you. Hopefully not in your home or your church. Hopefully it's just in a town near you and maybe not in your town, right? And certainly we hope that it's not in your home or God forbid it be in the church sitting right next to you on the pew. Don't start looking around, y'all. If you are a friend of God, you are an enemy of Satan. Did you know that? If you are a friend of God, and God is your friend, hmm? you are an enemy of Satan. But also you have as your enemy the world and the flesh on top of that. Three that are against you, both of which, these, these other two, the, the world and the flesh, they have great influence, great influence. He has great influence over the world and the flesh. Satan has blinded the minds of so many from the truth and that is why it is imperative that the church, the children of God, stand strong in the strength of the Lord. And even if our gospel, Paul says, is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, that's 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 4. So we have an enemy that is diametrically opposed to God and his purpose, which is to seek and to save that which is lost. I love the way that the scripture makes things so plain. What is the mission? Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. As children of God who want to act like our father, what should our mission be? To be used of God, to seek and to save that which is lost. I heard some testimonies today, and we have some in our midst today that are here as a result of someone deciding to seek and to save that which is lost. And then that person, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, decided one day to seek and to save that which is lost. And then the next one, and the next one. Do you see how this goes? One at a time. I'm oftentimes reminded of Jesus and how it is that during his earthly ministry, he had encounters with people. In some cases, it was large groups of people, like 5,000 men who needed to be fed, right? Plus women and children. And in other cases, it was a man who was in low stature, who was hanging out in a sycamore tree, trying to get a good view of Jesus, and he said, Zacchaeus, come down. I want to have dinner with you tonight, right? Sometimes it was someone with a high status in the community, whether it was Nicodemus who came by night. He had the time to spend with that individual by himself. It may have been someone who was looked down upon by society, like the woman at the well that he met. 
It might be someone who had a short-term problem. It might be somebody who had a long-term problem, like the woman who had the issue of blood for 12 years. But no matter what the situation was, Jesus always made it his business to continue to do what it is God called him to do, and that is to seek and to save that which is lost. Those who are saved have a tactical advantage over those who are still dead in trespasses and sins because the scripture tells us of such were some of you, right? Because of such we were before Christ saved us. We know what was on the other side of the cross, right? We know. We know what we left behind, or what we're still trying to leave behind, right? We're a work in progress, aren't we? We are familiar with the tricks of Satan, so that gives us a tactical advantage over some of those in the world who might be trying to influence you the other way. The reason why is because we know the tricks of Satan, don't we? Because we fell for them just like they did. And we know what it looks like to be controlled by the desires of our flesh and influenced by the world and the devil. We know what that is and how that happens. On the other hand, they do not know what it is like to be made alive in Jesus Christ unto a new life controlled by the Holy Spirit. We have the benefit of knowing and tasting, right, of the Lord, right? Scripture says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. The Hebrew writer talks about those who have tasted of the word of God and of the Holy Spirit. And these are people who are familiar with what it is to be touched by the master's hand. In Ephesians 3, 1 through 3, it says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Children of wrath. We were all born into this world as enemies of God, and we are, I'll just take this as a time to put in a little plug for our Tuesday night Bible study, which is going to come in about two weeks, maybe three, when we get back to eternal security and how it is that we were born into this world, alienated from God, enemies of God. But he made us alive. He quickened us. He chose to save some, right? So that all would not perish. As it was pointed out on our Tuesday night Bible study, God was going to make sure that Christ did not die in vain that Christ did not die needlessly, that Christ did not die for no purpose, right? If one came, right, it would be worth it for God. It would be worth it. But thank God, through his ultimate grace and mercy and his power, it won't just be one person in heaven, right? Because we just got done talking about a whole bunch of people that's up there right now. And our hope and our, our goal is to be with them one day. Once we have finished our work and our labor down here. The enemy, that is the world, the flesh, and the devil, is hostile towards God and the people of God 
So which are you? Are you the people of God or are you the enemy of God? Are you a friend or a foe? That's the question that I want all of us to ask ourselves, and I don't want you to raise your hand and give the answer until after service when the preacher comes up here, and then we can talk. So one of the things that I came across that kind of stuck in my mind as I was doing some study this week is that that sin no longer reigns in our lives, but sadly it remains. It does not reign, but sadly it remains. There's a difference. Some might think, well, that's just, you know, semantics. That's, that's just a little nuance, right? Same thing. No. Sin should not be reigning, that is, have power and control to the point where it rules over us, right? Where it controls everything that we do, say, and think, right? But every once in a while, because we are still in the flesh, it does rear its ugly head, and it remains. Well, why didn't God just take all that away? Everybody can't be like Elder Mack and just have the taste of cigarettes removed from his mouth on day one, right? Sometimes... God wants you to continue to go through that thing, right? He wants you to continue to battle and to struggle, and these are some points that we're going to talk about during this message. He wants us to struggle. He wants us to put forth some effort, recognize our problem for what it is, and then actively participate in fighting against it, right? God, if he wanted to, could just like that, and turn you into a robot, and you would just automatically do any and everything that the Word of God said. But he don't want a whole bunch of robots in heaven. He wants people who really, really wanted to be there and was willing to struggle, who was willing to fight, who was willing to suffer. And that is why Paul said, I want to know you in the fellowship of your suffering, and then, once I do that, then I will know you in the power of the resurrection. Right? That is what we ultimately need to be working towards. So in our mortal bodies, we still have this propensity to sin, this occasion, which is why we should be familiar with the grip that sin and Satan has upon the world and all that is in the world. That is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These are things that we have to deal with. These are all the things that the scripture tells us are in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. 1 John 2.16. The devil has, as you might know, his agents, but he also has his agencies. Something else I picked up this week as I was doing some study. The devil has his agents, but he also has his agencies as well, right? So agents are individuals, right? Individuals that he has spread out throughout the world. He has those that are seen and those that are unseen. The demons are agents of Satan. There are some people, though, in the world, some rich and powerful, possibly, some poor and not so successful, right? And everything in between. Some friends, some family, people you know, people you don't know, but he's got agents everywhere. But when you get a whole bunch of people together and they decide to form an organization, now you got an agency. 
And we have a lot of human agencies that are just institutions of Satan that are being used by Satan against God, against the people of God, against the church to do his bidding and to wage war against God and the people of God. It's sad how you can name the name of some religious figures, but you can't say Jesus. Hmm? You can say Buddha. You can say Muhammad. You can say Vishnu. You can say all kinds of different names of different religious leaders. But when you say Jesus, that just makes people's blood boil, don't it? Hmm? You liable to catch a case, a real case, right? Just from uttering the name of Jesus. And we have this idea amongst some, in some Christian circles, that religions just need to come together and just, you know, coexist, right? And that if they want us to not use Jesus' name, that's just a little thing. We'll just use a generic term like God, right? And when you're praying, you don't mean God, you mean Jesus, right? Hmm? Uh, and to do anything less than that is capitulating and giving in to the world. This is part of standing, standing strong. Sin is something that can cause people to capitulate, to give in. And these agents and these agencies are ultimately opposed to the truth, and that is what it is. What is it about Jesus? Is it the spelling of his name that they don't like? They just don't prefer that name over the other ones? No. It is what his name stands for and what it represents. Jesus is the truth the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Jesus is the word of God, the immutable word of God. It is nothing but the pure, unadulterated truth. And this is why the children of God must stand strong in the strength of the Lord, because you cannot stand in and of your own power or your own strength. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13, which is our main text today, and I've been talking about that, verses 10 through 13 of Ephesians 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. By way of outline, a call to be strong, Ephesians 6.10, a call to stand firm, Ephesians 6 and 11, a call to struggle, Ephesians 6 and 12, and a call to battle, Ephesians 6 and 13. A call to be strong. Finally, 
So this word finally is better translated as henceforth. It does not mean that he just got done listing a whole bunch of things and finally he got to the end and said, okay, and, and the last thing I want to tell you is this. No, the word is better translated henceforth. That is, this was not just a closing thought or an afterthought. It means after hearing all that has been said, moving forward, we should what? Be strong in the Lord. And how can we be strong? We can be strong in the Lord. And that's the only way. We can't be strong in the power of our might. We must be strong in the power of the Lord. A father who tries to encourage his son after his puppy gets hit in the street by a car. That's a hard thing for a little boy to be strong, isn't it? He needs some help, doesn't he? A wife who tries to encourage her husband after he gets fired from a job that he's been working at for 40 years. That's a hard thing for him hmm, to be encouraged about, right? That's hard for him to be strong. He's going to need some help. That sister who tries to encourage her sister who's been diagnosed with stage four cancer, breast cancer, hmm? she's going to need some help, right? And you can't well that strength up inside of yourself. You need that strength to come from without. The focus of this call to be strong has less to do with the internal strength of the one called to be strong and more to do with the strength of the one who is able to make you strong. The one calling you is the same one who is strong. He is the one who will make you strong. And in uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, it says, And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. When we stand, we have to stand for the sake of Christ. And when you go through tests and trials, you can be tempted to curse God and die, like Job's wife told him to do, or you can say, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, right? Even though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Is that right? Now, that's not something, that's a tall order, isn't it? And that's not something you come out of the womb kicking and screaming with. That is something that you develop over time. That faith that it requires in order to be able to do that is like a spiritual muscle that has to be exercised. Is that right? And some of us have not been to the spiritual gym on a regular basis. Is that right? Sometimes we can't get there once a week where we can start strengthening those spiritual muscles so our faith can be increased. And how is it that our faith gets strengthened? Well, we have to go through some struggles, some tests, some trials, and we have to continue to trust in the Lord as we go through those things, not around, not over, not under, but go through them by God's grace and by faith.
chapter, or verse 11, a call to stand firm. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Well, one of the things that I noticed here is that it didn't say put on part of the armor. Hmm? That's one of the things that just kind of jumps off the page at me here. The full armor, and in some translation it says the whole armor just in case you're confused about what it means. As you read on in this particular passage, you know there's the, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, right? The shield of faith. There's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and your feet shy with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And some would argue there's one more prayer after that. That's the armor that he's talking about. And he's saying you need to put all of that on. You can't do like they do at your, you know, your favorite buffet, right? Your favorite all-you-can-eat place where you, uh, I have a little bit of that. No, I don't like that. I don't want that, right? And then you come back with nothing green on your plate. Ain't no vegetables to be seen, right? No, you got to have everything on your plate, right? You got to have on the whole armor of God, right? And all those that I just named must be put on. Otherwise, you are going to be a guaranteed casualty of war, right? And I don't mean MIA or I mean KIA, right? Killed in action, right? That's what I'm talking about. So you need to make sure that you have the whole armor and not just part of it. And the reason why we have to have the whole armor on is so that we are able to stand. What is it saying? Ability talks. Able means what? Ability. It means ability, not do you muster up enough, you know, will? Are you willing to stand? No, it's not that. It's a matter of being able to stand, right? Some people who, uh, I'll put it this way, some people that, 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 that would like to sing can't sing, but in their mind, they sound like an angel. When they're singing in the shower, right? And they just go into town with it, right? They think, they think they sound like Mariah Carey or something, right? <laughs> Getting them high notes, right? All kinds of stuff, right? But little do they know, that's not what the rest of the family in the house is thinking as they hear you, right? There's some, <laughs> there's some men who, every time they walk past the, the mirror, they got to catch an extra glance because they think they look like Denzel Washington. And they ain't looked even close to Denzel Washington for about 20 or 30 years, right? But they have this idea in their mind, right? And they keep telling themselves that it's this way. They keep telling themselves this over and over again, but it does not comport with reality, right? But that's okay if you want to think positive thoughts, maybe one day, right? But when we talk about the ability, you know, we need to look at the fact that we cannot stand, no matter how hard we try, in and of ourselves. We have to have the whole armor of God on so that we are able to stand. Not possibly, but able to stand, right? And not just to stand, but to stand firm. Some people can get, they can stand and they get knocked down, right? knocked right back down. Just as they stand, they get knocked right back down. 
But this idea of standing firm, though, deals with you being able to stand and not be swayed, not to shift, not to be faltering or anything like this. You are able to stand firm. And the only way you can do that is to have the full armor of God on. And what are we standing against? The schemes of the devil. There's some that believe in this world that the devil is just some kind of an aberration that the man has come up with in his imagination, right? That he's just some powerful force that man came up with. But that's not what the Bible says about Satan. Satan is a being. He is an individual. He is a person because these aberrations that they think that he is, they don't come up with schemes. Schemes are things that only sentient beings can come up with. You have to be able to be intelligent in order to come up with a scheme. And these schemes are devised to cause you problems in life, to cause you to take your focus off of God, and ultimately the desire is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. That is what his desire is. So he's not just some aberration of human imagination. He is a person. He is a fallen angel and the enemy of Jesus, the Son of God. Just as a little side note, he is the specific enemy of Jesus Christ. He is the enemy, the one spoken of in the beginning of Genesis. He is the one whom Christ was going to bruise his head and he was going to bruise the heel of Christ. But we also know that the world is the enemy of God, the world system. And that is why the world is going to be under the footstool of God. And we also know that the flesh is the enemy of the Holy Spirit. Our own flesh wars against the Holy Spirit. And we need to make sure that we walk in the Spirit so that we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So forces or aberrations of human imagination, they don't have schemes. It requires intelligence to devise a scheme. Schemes have something innately nefarious about them. It's never, you never come up with a scheme that has good intent. If something is a scheme, then it is designed to be nefarious in intent. It is something that is designed to do someone else harm or to take advantage of someone. In verse 12, there is a call to struggle. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. The truth of the matter is that people just don't like to struggle, do they? They want the path of least resistance, don't they? They want it my way, and my way is the easy way, right? Give it to me as quick as possible. That's why you get all these people out here right now, instead of going to, you know, to, to educate themselves maybe and go into school for, for eight years or however long they need to go. They want to get a lawsuit so I can give me some money that way. I want to hit the lotto, right? Or I want to go to the casino and I want to hit big, right? I want to bet on the horses. I want to bet on this and that. They want it big and they want it fast. They don't want to have to wait for it, right? And the kids can even relate to this because they, they want that meal to come out of that microwave what, within seconds? We don't have time to be waiting hours for dinner to be made. We need it right now, 
but that is the culture and the world that we live in. People want it right now. They don't want to have to go out and, and pick food. They don't want to have to go out there and, and hunt for food and stuff like that. Most people want to be able to go to the, to, the, to the grocery store, load up their carts, come home with it, and be done in 30 minutes, right? But that's not how it always was. People do not like to struggle, but that is something that we are called to do. Our struggle needs to be just that, a struggle. And we are struggling not against flesh and blood, but against what? Rulers, against powers, against world forces, against the darkness, right, that is in this world, the spiritual forces and wickedness in heavenly places. <clears throat> so it says we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but that does not mean that flesh and blood is not something that comes against us, though. You can look at the people out in the world and know that that's true, right? That people are being used by Satan. They are being used by the powers of darkness. They are being used by rulers. They are being used by world forces uh, of this darkness. Uh, these sports, spiritual uh, forces and these wicked uh, forces in high places are influencing people and using them. And as I said before, in some cases, wittingly and in others, unwittingly. People don't like to struggle. They like to avoid it at all costs. Our ultimate struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the one who is pulling the strings. And we need to understand that. When we are witnessing to people or dealing with people in our family, our friends that don't know Christ, we have to understand what is it behind the scenes that's causing them to act the way that they're acting. We need to be able to deal with them in such a way as to know that once we were in that same situation, and if it were not for someone reaching out to us, we would still be dead in trespasses and sins to this day. Those people are waiting on you. Those people are waiting for you. Those people are waiting for just one more phone call. That's all it's going to And you said, well, I done called him nine times. That must be it, right? No, one more. Call one more time. And that will be the very phone call that makes the difference, where you will be able to see God starting to bring forth that increase. Some people need to have that seed planted. But you think you're just going to go and sprinkle water on it one time? You got to keep going back and put more water on it. More, you got to sometimes dig around and cultivate, right? You got to put some fertilizer down, right? This is what it is that God is requiring for us, and it is not going to come as fast as that three-minute meal that you put in the microwave. Put in, add some water, and then out comes a saved, sanctified individual that you were responsible for leading to Christ. That's not how it works. Blood, sweat, and tears, and some knees that's real ashy, right? From being on your knees, from praying for these people. And it's easy to give up. It's easy to look at people's lives and say, you know what? Maybe he's just one of those. Maybe she's just one of those. One of those reprobates, right? One of those is just destined to go to hell. I don't want that to be the case for anybody I know, much less a family member. But I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep sprinkling that water until I see a leaf come up out the ground. And that's what we need to focus on because it is going to be a struggle. It, the, the, the devil is not holding back. The world is not holding back. Your flesh is not holding back, right? Why are you holding back? Keep fighting it. The only thing that evil needs 
to prevail is for good people to do nothing, right? Just sit back and do nothing. And it, all this world will just go, go straight to hell is where, it's, where, where it'll go. And one of the things we have to also understand, too, is that the only light that is in the world are the children of God right now. You imagine what's going to happen when the children of God are raptured up, when they're taken out of the world. Then what? Can you, can you picture some family members, some friends, that based on the fruit that you see in their life right now, can you think about what the end is going to be for them and what the alternative will be once the lights have been removed from the earth and total spiritual darkness covers the face of the globe until that 144,000 is raised up to start preaching the gospel and the angels. Hmm? What's going to happen? I don't want any of my family or my friends to have to be stuck with that alternative. We are fighting against rulers. We are fighting against powers, world forces, darkness, spiritual forces, wickedness, and they are some that are in heavenly places. A call to battle. So therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. So this, uh, this call to battle is not to be confused with call to arms because in our client today, in our climate, this social climate that we live in, the environment, um, that, that kind of thing could, could get me put on a, on a list that I don't want to be put on. Uh, where they'll come after me uh, for, for, for inciting violence or something like that. I'm not talking about, like, arms, like swords and knives and guns and stuff like that. I'm talking about a call to battle. See, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty to the bringing down of strongholds, right? What does that carnal mean? Is They're not fleshly. They're not physical, right? These things that God wants us to use are things that are combating the spiritual forces, right? And you can't fight the spiritual forces that are responsible for what's going on in this world. You can't fight them with guns and knives and swords and shields and stuff like that. You must have the spiritual weapons on. And as we talked about before, you must have the whole armor of God. But if you were to put, put me on a list, the only list that I would want to be on is the one that's spoken of in Revelations 21, 27, and that is the Lamb's Book of Life. Now, you can put me on that list. I don't mind being on that list, but I don't want to be put on a list where they're coming after me because I'm speaking the truth, right? Or saying, uh, take up arms or, you know, a call for battle, right? Uh, speaking of heaven, John the Revelator said in, uh, in the book of Revelation uh, 21, 27, and nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. That's the book that I want to be in, right? And guess what? My name's already in there. And anybody whose name is ever going to be in there is already in there, right? Because the book is sealed, and we're waiting for the only one who can unseal it, and that's Jesus. We haven't got there yet. Stay tuned. I know some of you may be concerned about the battle between the two football teams that's going on this afternoon, so we're going to go ahead and close this down here. Uh, but I don't want you to forget about the other battle, though, right? 
the spiritual battle that we are engaged in every single day, every single week, every month of our Christian lives. And don't ever get so complacent where you don't realize that we are in a war. And we need to act like we are in a war, and we need to behave ourselves like soldiers who are in the war, a soldier who is not concerned about his own affairs and his own life, right, but has more concern for the one who enlisted him. Who enlisted you? Who enlisted you? It was Jesus. I heard Elder Miguel, we say Jesus. He was a little timid over there. I didn't see nobody else. I didn't see nobody else say nothing. All right. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. <laughs> so people are so bad at resisting uh, this evil day because it is so easy to give in, right? You don't even have to put forth any effort. You just give in. It's easy to give in. Go along with the crowd or the group. It's just easy, right? To blend in, that's an easy thing. To be incogno, incognito, right? To be an incognito Christian. To be an undercover Christian, or worse yet, a double agent Christian, right? Uh, we don't want to be an incognito Christian, an undercover Christian, or a double agent Christian. Each one of those has its own little specific, you know, little nuance to it. But we want to make sure we are not in any of those camps. We want to stand firm in the power of the Lord. If you don't have the whole armor of God on and equipped, don't be surprised when you find it impossible to resist the forces of darkness in this evil day in which we live. You keep asking yourself, I just keep giving into it. I keep falling for this thing. I keep doing this and I can't, I try and I try and I, I just can't. Well, why is that? Because you don't have the whole armor of God on. And I'm not talking about being able to recite the scripture that talks about it. I mean, looking at each one of those implements of warfare and actually putting it on daily. All right. Sometimes you might need to sleep in it, right? Because he may come after you while you're sleeping. You may need to keep it on all night long and not change your clothes at night. That don't sound good, but keep the armor on. That's the only thing you can keep on all the time is the whole armor of God. And I don't think anybody in here will look at you strange if you did that. We are not to be as those who shrink back. That is what it says in Hebrews 10.39. But instead, we are to command, uh, we are commanded to stand firm. Hebrews 10.39. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the persevering or the preserving, that is, of the soul. In conclusion, we talked about a call to be strong, Ephesians 6.10, a call to stand firm in Ephesians 6, a call to struggle, Ephesians 6.12, and a call to battle, Ephesians 6.13. Many are called, but few are chosen. Everybody who's called is not coming to heaven, and that's the truth, and that's the sad truth, right? Because you have to respond to the call. You, have you been called? I'm placing a call right now. We're going to take that excuse away, right? You've been called to discipleship, to learn of God, to learn of the Spirit. And if you feel or hear the Spirit calling you, you should come up today because today is the day of salvation. Have you been chosen? 
That's another question. Time will tell, and the fruit produced in your life will prove this out. Because you can't be saved without producing fruit. God is going to make something grow. If you have been chosen and called and chosen, and you have the uh, Spirit of God in you, and you have the blood of Jesus, which has washed away your sins, you cannot help but to produce fruit. So then you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. That's Matthew 7, 20 and 21. I think I did pretty decent today. Uh, I hope I did. I'm not going to belabor it too much. I could have been longer. That was the abbreviated version, but I would ask that you all not forget that you are in a battle today, that you are in a war, and that the only way that you're going to be victorious in this battle is if you go in the power and in the strength of the Lord and wear the whole armor of God. That's it. All right? Amen. <laughs>